right, so we're going to get some softball questions right here. Uh, who's the author of Galatians? Paul. Who is Paul? Before he's Paul, who is Paul? What's his name? I was kind of confused when I said that. Saul. Okay, so we're going to go back and we're going to kind of get a background of who Paul was before he became a Christian. So let's go to Acts chapter 7 and we're going to read verses 54 through chapter 8, verse 3. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 8, verse 3. Holly, do you want to read that? When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and, yell and, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved that they're killing him. Through verse 3. Yes, please. On that great day, a persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. All right, so Stephen's getting put to death here, and Saul's in hearty agreement with that. So now we know this is Saul before his conversion. So let's flip over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, well, I don't know if we're going to read much here, maybe, but just uh, what's, what's the story of Paul's conversion here? Somebody summarize it for me. Luke, summarize Saul's conversion real quick. He's on the road to Damascus, okay. and then Jesus talks down to him, and he can't see for a few days, and then he converts and becomes Paul. Exactly. So he's on the road to Damascus. He's headed to do what? To persecute Christians. He's headed to persecute more Christians, like we just read about. You know, he's, he's in hard agreement with persecute Christians, and he's heading to persecute more. He's on the road to Damascus. And Jesus appears to him, verse 4, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he becomes blind. He finally gets, and Ananias meets him, he baptizes him, and then, I, I think this is great. It says, he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. So we have Paul going from persecuting the church, going after him as hard as he can go, he learns the truth, and now he's beginning to preach it, just like, just within a few days. All right, now let's uh, flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read uh, verses 23 through 28. Hey, Daniel, will you read that? Are the ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool. I am more in laborers, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the city, in perils among the false brethren, in weariness and toil, 
and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst and fasting often, and cold and nakedness besides the other things. What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. John, what just read about summarize for Okay, so Paul has been through a lot of different things, suffering for the cause of Christ, literally everything from like, you know, just being uh, whipped to being stoned, which is like, you know, more and more um, extreme to being shipwrecked, and then just uh, the whole litany of things that he, he went through. Um, and also just the fact that he's concerned for the churches and that he's putting his life out for them too. And he's doing this all for? For the cause of Christ. For the cause of Christ. So before Paul, I think Paul still thought, or before he was Paul, when he was Saul, he was persecuting the church. He still thought he was doing right. Then he learned he was doing wrong. And now we have a complete 180. And now he's preaching the gospel. He's being persecuted just like, just like he was persecuting people. Now he's being persecuted. I think it's just great to see that Paul has a pure heart, how quickly he made that turnaround, and now he's on the opposite side. So what I wanted to get from that is author of Galatians, Paul. We kind of know his background. We know where he's come from. He's been persecuting the church, but now he's one of the, I'd say, leading, like, bringing people into Christ's church. All right? So who is Galatians written to? The church of Galatia. Churches of Galatia. What is, it says Church of Galatia or Churches of Galatia? Churches. churches. So we have multiple churches. What are those multiple churches? <coughs> okay, yep, the multiple bodies of believers. Jordan, tell me a little bit about uh, the South versus the North theories of churches of Galatians. Okay, South, um, where do they first go into there? Antioch of Pisidia is going to be the furthest South one, right? And uh, no, <laughs> you don't go that far south. I uh, got you. Uh, There's also another one. Oh no, Antioch City is north. Father, I'm all sorts of wrong. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the geography major and stuff. Um, yeah, so I can read at least. Lystra and Derby and Iconium are all there. <laughs> yes. So that's that's kind of the Southern Galatian theory, the Northern Galatian theory. I'm not really sure what that is. I read a little bit about it, but I think mostly everything lines up with it being the Southern Galatian theory. You look at the map. You see that those little lines are missionary journeys. And you see Paul went through Derby, Lystra, Niconium, every single journey. So, I, I mean, I, I tend to believe that it's those three churches that it may be primarily written to. But, I mean, if you disagree, you can say that. Or you can, you can prove me wrong. Been wrong multiple times. So uh, that's just a little, like, geography. So you have it in your mind kind of where, where these churches are. Um, also... What is the background, Jordan? What is the background, you would say, of these churches? Well, they've been persecuted a lot because they've constantly had Jews there trying to kill Paul, thinking they killed Paul, and messing with all of the resident Christians in the area. Yeah, and like, what would be, what would the ethnicity? 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 What would you ethnicity? Well, he went to the synagogues first, so we're going to have some Jews that defected against their... Um, normal religion and then we're going to have a lot of Gentiles in these areas right. where the Jews rejected them. So we have Jews slash Gentiles. Let's see this is being written to primarily think Lester Derby and Iconium. Alright, so that kind of gets us through the introduction part. Now let's jump into verses 6 through 10 unless anybody has any more comments on that first little part. Alright. Hey Chris, can you read uh, Galatians 1 6 through 10? Thanks. I marvel 
you are moving from him that called you in the grace of Christ unto a different gospel, which is not another gospel. Only there are some that trouble you and which pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel of heaven should preach unto you any gospel other than which we preached unto you, let him be Amathia, as we have said before, so us so say I now again, if any man preacheth unto you any gospel other than that which you received, let him be Amathia. For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still pleasing men, I should not be serving Christ. Make sure it's what version you read from. American Standard. American Standard? Okay. That, what was that word? For, uh, my Bible has a curse. What was that word? And, and, and yeah, I've never heard of that word. My Bible says a curse. I know what that means. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Will Harris, can you give me a summary of what we just read, kind of? Yeah. Um, so, these are recent, reasonably recent converts, and we haven't gotten a lot of context into this yet. We'll get more into it further, but they're trying to turn away from the gospel that they've been recently converted to, and we too much, but they're trying to go back to Judaism uh, and they're trying to go back into what they came out of and so he's rebuking them uh, because of that and trying to reaffirm to them that uh, if any man will just they have Judaizing teachers among them but it doesn't matter who it is that's coming in uh, amongst you saying that you need to go to a different gospel or that the gospel you received is not correct or complete uh, you need to count that man as a curse because you were given the complete gospel right exactly exactly that, that's perfect, man. I don't, I don't even need to talk anymore. You got that covered. That was good. Um, let's see here. So there's risk of falling back in the old law. We'll, we'll cover that. Um, that's probably the main problem here that they're facing. Okay, I like, uh, I like verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read those again. As we have said before, so now I say again. If many man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. Or am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If we're still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I think, uh, but yeah, Joel. Um, speaking about, about what you were about to say right there, um, I think that the language Paul's using right here this, in this opening 10, and especially in verses 9 and 10, and up in the top when he says, uh, Paul, an apostle, not for men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God, or he says, people are trying to teach you a different gospel. Not that there even is a different gospel. It's this sort of frustration that's coming out that um, they've been hit with false teachers so quickly. And I think what, what um, he's getting around to at the big point here is less about necessarily what they're saying, but where it's coming from. Um, and I, we were getting to that too, trying to seek the approval of men or of God, right? These Judaizers are coming in to a Jewish area uh, where there were temples and synagogues. And they're sort of being like, hey, you remember Jewish customs, you remember Jewish life, you remember all that stuff that you've you know, sort of grown up with. I can get you back into that, and it can work with Christianity as well. And I can see that that's really frustrating Paul uh, in what he's doing. And they were trying to mix the two, and the two don't mix. They're, they're, the old law was fulfilled when Christ came, but it was also abolished, right? So, yeah, that was a great point, Charles. So, um, can I have one more point? Yeah, go ahead. Was it when in Ryan's class he taught this like last semester? <coughs> so like, I probably will butcher some of what he said, but um, in, in the, most Paul's apostles, um, most of Paul's epistles, 
he's got a formal greeting, there's a way you can write a letter. And this is the only one where he kind of addresses himself and then gets right into like the problem, like the meeting is. So he kind of speaks to the point about, I don't know how frustrated he is, if that's the right word, or how serious of an issue it is, that they're just like going away from what they were told to do so quickly. So that's sort of pointing out that he kind of aggressively attacked this instead of going through pleasantries for a chapter or so. Yeah, that's good. That's a very good point. He's hopping right, getting right to the meat of things. And I mean, we, we are going to get right to the meat and of things. It's the only book that, that he Yeah. So, I mean, they were, yeah, this is a serious problem. And Galatians is a pretty straightforward book. I mean, he gets to the point. A lot of it makes sense. Some of it's a little weird, but I think Josh will cover most of his lessons on me, right? <laughs> okay. So, uh, I think we've kind of, we've covered that. What, what are applications we can make to ourselves today from what we've studied? <laughs> This is kind of back on what you were just saying. Um, I think um, Paul does does a lot of like distancing himself from being the seat of authority, so to speak, as in like it's his gospel that he's teaching. Um, Like especially like like in that passage that you read again, like he he goes through and he says, even if we or an angel from heaven or you know any other preach any other gospel. And let him be accursed. And um, his point, and, and again, like later and like throughout the book, he kind of reaffirms his apostleship. Um, and then, like at the beginning of chapter two, he talks about like I didn't, I came kind of in secret. I didn't want to, you know, come and, and elevate myself. Um, but I think I, the way that he sets this up is like the perfect way to start a letter to, in a sensitive situation like this, because he doesn't want anyone to think that it's just him sticking his nose in as an apostle as somebody. He's just the one, he's just the messenger delivering this message to the Galatians. Yeah, that's great. And I, I mean, I think that goes straight to our face for us is we're just messengers today. You know, I get scared to confront somebody, you know, when I see them doing something wrong scripturally. But I mean, you shouldn't be because you're just, this is God's word. Just because you're, I mean, you're spreading it. This is not what you want. You know, I don't want to say it like that. This, all you're doing is, is sharing what God has shared with you. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That, that helps me a lot when you just go back to the Bible, not try to have your own opinion, just say, what the word of God says, what God says. If you're going against somebody, you're going against God. That, this just reminds me of uh, Moses, which was Moses, when God told Moses, said, they're, they're not going against you, they're coming against me. Yeah. What? Was it Samuel? Was it Samuel? When the Israelites came to the king. Was that right? Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. Here's <laughs> my mind. But uh, that's good, yeah. So it's Samuel. I mean, I, I, think, that's, I think that's great. And uh, that gives me courage. I don't know if it encourages y'all or not, but to confront confront issues or to preach the word, you're preaching God's word. You're not preaching your word. You know what I mean? You know, you don't have to worry about it if, if you're right. It's, it's God's word. It's going to be right. Yeah, I think it's helpful in studying with other people too, like of different uh, congregations, because uh, they're like, this is what I've always been taught. The Church of Christ, they're the people who don't use instruments, you know, they're the people who do this, that, and another. And so you sit down and say, well, you believe everything we need to do is in the Bible, right? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's study. Let's not go with what my parents told me. Let's not go with my preacher told me. Let's not go with what your parents told you or your preacher told you. So we get the Bible together. Hey, if I'm wrong, I need to change. Because look, I want us all to go to heaven, you know? I don't exactly. want to, I'm not going to get there and say, Bob, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think it's just important to sit down and study and 
find the truth in the Bible. Yeah, you take yourself off the judgment seat and you're reading God's word and what God says, that's what we're going to do. And that's, I mean, that's, what, that's what's great about Paul's attitude. You know, he was doing this, but he had a pure heart. He was, he was persecuting the church. He realized he was wrong and he completely converted to the whole, whole other direction. And I think we need to have that, that same, same attitude. That's a good point there, like. One more thing before you jump ahead. I'll tie it back to Moses. Um, there's an interesting comparison here. If you look at verse 6 and what Paul says versus back in Exodus 32 with Moses coming off uh, the mountain after he initially received the law, and it's what the Lord says there uh, in, in verse 8 of Exodus 32. He says, They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And he's showing this, this frustration there. It's a very similar frustration to the one you see with what Paul's saying here. And I think that uh, doing a couple things to take from that. We can all be pulled away from the gospel, or we have the potential to. I don't think we need to have the kind of pride that says, "Well, I'm above that," because we read a couple chapters about an apostle that was uh, pulled away in, in an area. So, no, no, nobody's above that. But that being said, I think particularly at risk are new converts, which you saw back in Exodus 32 with that covenant, and you see here in Galatians with this covenant. And I think what you said a minute ago is really it's the heart of the matter is you can't mix God's covenant, whichever one it may be, with anything else. And so for the, the children of Israel back in Exodus, they were trying to bring in uh, idolatry, which there's no place for that in God's covenant. There's no need for it. There's no place for it. And just as equally here in Galatians, you can't bring in even the old law into this covenant. There's Again, it's complete. There's no place for anything else. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it also speaks a lot to our our root cause for why we do what we do as Christians. You know, um, Paul's distancing himself from being the reason why these people are doing what they're doing. They're not going to church to see some amazing preacher or to see their friends or because their family members went there or because their loved ones are there. They're going to church because of their own relationship with God. And I think that's sort of the phrase we shy away from sometimes. I know we all do like the personal relationship with Jesus. That's something you hear a lot in mainstream religion. But the personal relationship with Jesus and with God is it, it should be your driving force. Your own relationship with God should drive you to do what you do. To do your own desire to please Him. And if you have a person standing in the way of that as an intermediary that can sort of lead you away from where you truly are. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, I don't does, was this book written before or after all three of the missionary journeys? You know, I mean, it doesn't matter because it, it, at least he he went through you know, Galatia. Yeah, but you know, it's after when the Council of Jerusalem. Right. But that okay. was after the first. That was after the first. Right. So so he went through at least once. But anyways, it, either either once or maybe even twice through, just from like. From this, where we know that Paul went through that area, like perhaps multiple times, um, I think we don't need to look at this and be like, "Oh, these terrible Galatians—they're you know totally slipping like immediately off where they need to be," uh, because these churches were were taught and by and, and perhaps planted by Paul himself. So we know that they got the truth; they had God's worth, and, and, and you know one of the best forms you could have. You know, if we if we had Paul preach to us. I, I would hope that we would, you know, all be really encouraged, and it would be really helpful. Um, but so, so we can't. I, I, I don't think we can uh, say that they're, you know, any different than we are. Because if they can slip, if they've been taught by Paul, then of course any of us can slip too. So that's something to be careful about. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. 
another thing building off of that and kind of cutting them some slack. Maybe I'm wrong in this, maybe Paul's just using this as hyperbole, but I kind of get the, the idea from verse 8 that it's not only human forces that they're dealing with here working against them, that it is in fact supernatural stuff working against them, and uh, I think it's important for us not to forget that part of their warfare and our own warfare. Will, you talked about the Israelites uh, worshiping the calf and Moses came down off the mountain. I think it's Ezekiel who compares idol worship to them worshiping demons and about how that was an influence in their culture. And I think it's also something that we're too likely to forget about now, but it's something that's important for us to remember because there is a, I don't know, I don't want to sound too much like Larry, but there is a whole side of this warfare that we're, we're terribly underpowered in by ourselves. And so I think that gives the meaning to verse 10 when it's talking about you know, what pleases men. Well, what pleases men is standing up strong and fighting for yourself. And when you see controversy and things, you tackle it head on and you try to beat things your own way. But then that's why they were getting pulled away into a gospel that wasn't really the gospel. But what pleases God is instead having a sort of trust and submission to only have his things and his strength and only his gospel instead of trying to maybe necessarily stand up and prove things your own way. I think maybe that can make a big difference in our own spiritual warfare. Yeah, relying on God, not ourselves. That's a good one. I, I, that makes me think of the, the devil as a roaring lion seeking me, whom he may devour. You know, we are we are fighting something way bigger than ourselves, and putting your trust in God is definitely going to go a long way. You know, you can't you can't fight things by yourself. You know, joining together, you know, having having brethren you share things with, and praying to the Lord often. You know, that's, that's the way to defeat stuff. Um, what a, what a, what a, what other applications are there we can make? Anybody have any more? I agree with what. The man sitting next to you said, "Josh, this is a Josh." This certainly isn't a time-specific issue. For example, in modern day, uh, we relatively recently discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, and many of them, according to people, lack credibility. And there may be some people who are tempted to believe those are holy scriptures, and they may add those to the Bible and believe they are inspired by God. Yeah. That's my comparison. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I see. Good, yeah, good point. Yeah. You got anything else? Okay. Um, let me see. I had I had another one here that was decent. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh I, I I don't know, Josh and Charles didn't like when I did this, but I think it kind of fits. Um relating It's <laughs> most of what you do, so yeah. <laughs> But relating the old law, them at risk of falling in back into the old law, us falling back into sin. You know, we didn't have a law nowadays before, before um, the gospel. So I, I like to compare it to us. We're, we're always at risk of falling back into sin. And I, I mean, I think that's a, a good comparison. The law is not, I wouldn't look at the law as, as bad as sin. But I mean, like, we're still at risk of falling back into our old ways and what we're used to. And it's something we have to be on guard and looking out for, you know. I don't know. Y'all agree with that now? <laughs> okay. Um, let's go to Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. <clears throat> Going along with the point of, um, we're not here to to please please men. We're here to please God. Somebody read uh, Ephesians chapter two and verse ten. Just verse ten. Yeah, just verse ten. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what are we here for, Colin? Good works. Yep. What are good works? Um, I'm not putting you on the spot. What, 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 are good, what are good works in general? 
Like doing what the Bible says. Doing what the Bible says. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve God and do good works. And I, I think this is the biggest thing as we go out the rest of the week. It's just, I mean, it's not much of the week left because it's on Thursdays now instead of Tuesdays. But um, we're God's workmanship. We're here. We're here to serve the Lord. We're here to do His will. We're here to do good works. And uh, as we go throughout the rest of this week, let's let's focus on that and put that. Do that. Um, is there anything else anybody wants to add? It's eight thirty on the dot. <laughs> anybody got anything else they want to add? Thomas, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Yeah. Thanks. All right, you guys, follow. We'll be thankful for.